Hello and welcome to the edition podcast where we have a chat with an expert in the field about the crossover between digital media and tech and culture and sometimes even some politics, all that kind of good stuff. Um, and one thing we don't discuss enough on this show actually is local media. But it's hugely, hugely important. And the digital world has had a really profound effect on it. So I'm really pleased today to be joined by Ryan Heafy, who is the co-founder and chief operating officer of 6AM City. Uh, welcome, Ryan, first of all. Lovely to have you on the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. And uh, the reason I was so keen to have you on, and we've been chatting for a while to find a slot to get you on, is because... The, as I say, it said in the intro, the digital world has had such a profound impact on local journalism. But local journalism is so, so important. Now, you've got a whole uh, catalogue of local news, newsletters, uh, websites connected to that. Why don't you explain quickly what 6AM City is all about? Sure. Uh, 6AM City was actually founded out of a legacy print media company and looking to figure out how to solve uh, for the future of digital and local. And when we started, we uh, decided that a conversational approach via newsletters was how we were going to go and tried to figure out how do you get the largest total addressable market size in a city. So we created an email newsletter uh, in each of our cities, delivered at 6 a.m. every morning. It's conversational in tone. We uh, stay politically neutral, avoid politics and crime and punishment. We try to avoid clickbaity content, really focused on how to experience and participate in your city. So all local news and events, how you can spend your time, talent, and treasure to get materially involved in the communities that we serve. And then we carry that conversation across uh, social media platforms and the web as well. But our core leading product is the email newsletter every day. Yeah. And it's in 25 US markets now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really expanded. Um, let's go back to the beginning. So first of all, how did the idea for 6AM City come out? You said it came from a print uh, print business originally? Yeah. So my business partner's family owns a company called Community Journals Publishing in the upstate of South Carolina in southeastern United States. And they had a weekly uh, newspaper. They had a business journal. They had a lifestyle magazine. They were doing visitors guides and golf course country club magazines but didn't really have a digital presence the, the, um, i mean that's the kind of print content that people used to really get value out of and consume that yes except my business partner uh was reading the headlines and everything was saying that that was changing rapidly and he said right, indeed and well, it I don't was. Wanna, yeah so i don't want to inherit the family business that's all based on print and that might not exist in 10 years so so what do we need to do as a business to, to change course and to make sure that we're positioned best? And he knew that my background was actually in aerospace manufacturing, supply chain, quality systems, scale, sure. business processes. And he's like, this is perfect. <laughs> Why would so, you not want the guy that does that to come and help you with your local news media? Right. So uh, <laughs> it's been pretty interesting. Um, and we we basically blended... Um, I, I had exited the aerospace industry and manufacturing space, and I was looking for what to do next. We were both movers and shakers in the community around economic development topics. Um, he was serving at the time as the publisher of uh, Upstate Business Journal, which is the kind of like American City Business Journal's product uh, in our community. And he said, hey, help me figure this out. Uh, he had an idea around these newsletter concept. Uh, I came in to help uh, build, and within four months, we pre-sold a half a million dollars behind a newsletter product 
in a tier two market in the US and said, wow, this is something that really could work and be scalable. So I came on full time uh, and kind of blending uh, his passion around content and sales and knowledge of the publishing space. And then my operational skill and scalability, how do you create an actual sustainable, profitable media model uh, and and lo- launch that locally? And it is hard. Yes. Uh, local is extremely hard. It's very easy to go and take something surface level at a national approach and, and monetize that um, and build the audience quicker. But to actually go deep in a market um, and actually make it profitable and sustainable was uh, a challenge. Yeah, I can only imagine. Where was the first place you started? Presumably it was where you guys live. That's correct. We started here in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, and that was in July of 2016 uh, under the parent company. So we were wholly owned by a legacy print media company, um, which is really, I think, a unique piece of this story is that we are a product innovation of a family-owned legacy print media company that that saw an opportunity um, and the opportunity to tap into digital in a new way and not just share their own content, but actually pay attention to the full breadth of content in the market and package that up in a, in a unique way. Um, and then we started to scale. We, we proved that we could, and then we spun out and became 6AM City in January of 2018. As an um, independent company. Yeah. And at that point in time, that's where we started raising capital and really starting to expand to more markets, getting to like seven markets by the beginning of 2021. And then at the end of 2021 to 22, we tripled the size of the company. So, um, okay. So you've gone from kind of adding one and a bit markets a year for the first bit and now it's 2023 and you're on 25 you said correct so that that was quite a a rapid growth phase how it just occurs to me how did that play out in the pandemic when a lot of the content you had was because I've read the newsletters lots of it you can uh, things like events happening in your local area places you can go I've signed up to the Portland one just to test it out and today's one I've got I know all about hiking in Portland now Um, but obviously there was a substantial period of time where a lot of the stuff you would normally cover was not there how did that work out for you I think one of the biggest uh, and unique differentiators for our company is that we actually we pay attention to all aspects of content in the market. So in today's world, uh, forget just events happening and the local news cycle. Businesses are content creators. There's a lot of user-generated content out there. My mom going and exploring downtown and taking a picture of the new bridge or the sign in in the window of the local shop that says now, you know, coming soon, opening on whatever day. Those people are content creators just as much as, and sometimes more viral than a local investigative journalist. Um, That's not necessarily a great thing, but that is the reality. Yeah, I want to come on to that. We track that full breadth of content. And then we use social listening tools and other tactics to pay attention to all the different small businesses, nonprofits, organizations, like the most relevant stuff in any aspect of the community. And so we never had a shortage. There was always enough stuff going on with the, uh, Hispanic Alliance and the Chamber of Commerce and this new small pizza place or something else. Everyone was doing something. So we never had a shortage of content, but that's also been an opportunity for us is that we 
because we care, cover this big, massive breadth of content, most folks only see what's in their Facebook newsfeed or their Instagram algorithm, and we break that. So we remove yeah. preference. We try to elevate the most relevant content in all aspects of the community and deliver that to the consumer. So there is more than enough content out there always, even in some of the smaller markets, um, for us to be able to deliver a meaningful product every day. Uh, and I guess during that time, also people wanted to know about the situation specific to their local area. So you had a value there as well. Yeah, there was a a, um, a strong focus on local and the stuff close to home through COVID. Between COVID and politics and some other general topics that affecting our communities, a lot of people really were paying attention more to what was going on at home. And a lot of people are, are having fatigue Teague and still are um, from the political circuit and from uh, just a lot of other uh, less than desirable news that they're getting bombarded with everywhere yeah. else that we're almost like a reprieve at like a or like a we kind of talk about like we're like the community table in a at the pub like everyone mm -hmm. can kind of come in and sit around the table and have a discussion about what's going on here locally and we can kind of put to the side some of the national or polarizing yeah. topics that aren't relevant to our community yeah um and there is a nice tone to the newsletters there's they're very conversational very upbeat um and that's rather nice actually as you say in some difficult times sometimes it's nice to have something a bit different and have that tone and correct me if i'm wrong but you have in all those markets you have a specific editorial team so the people who are writing about an area are, are living in that area and know the community they're in that's correct. We have two uh, two editors at a minimum in every single market that we operate in. Those editors are the boots on the ground. They know their community in and out. Uh, sometimes we get someone who's newer to the community and someone who's more legacy because they're approaching it from nice. two different viewpoints. Yeah. Um, but we, we've got that's about... That's quite a nice combination. Yeah. And that's actually worked the best <laughs> for us in most of our markets. And then also not just typical uh, capital J journalists type folks a lot of our folks have more of a marketing background or maybe have had experience in a more marketing background where there's a little more creative conversational tone uh or just a different viewpoint on how they're covering content that's been highly valuable to us um as we've continued to grow and evolve the editorial approach um but it's been it's been fruitful um yeah. in all this um, I mean, there's so many different bits I want to talk about. I, I wanted to discuss in a minute the kind of power of the newsletter and that kind of conversational tone. We see it in lots of things from Morning Brew to your work and so on. There's lots of those newsletters. I do it a bit in my newsletter. You, the joy of a newsletter is you have a personal relationship with the writer or you think you do, and that's important. But I have to go back to this point, and I'm sorry, I know you get asked it every time you do an interview, but how on earth... Does local news work if you're not touching politics to a great extent and you're not doing the crime stuff that we normally associate with local news? How does that work? Aren't you ignoring key bits of what's going on in the communities you cover? Yes, <laughs> on purpose. Um, there's oh, okay. so many folks. There's so many folks who are um, better than us at coverage of some of those topics and and there's a, a lot of them every single tv station is going to cover 
the local car accident, homicide from last night, uh, whatever crime-related activity is going on, it's already saturated in the market. So adding another voice and putting resources to that doesn't necessarily add value, and that's covered. We believe also that there's probably a gap on uh, pol- politics and accountability, um, and I don't know that there's a good solution for that yet, candidly. <clears throat> there's a lot of nonprofit efforts uh, standing up media companies to dive into those topics, but nonprofit isn't necessarily always designed to be sustainable. I think where we're leaning in hard on is that there's a big opportunity for us to positively impact the local media landscape or the local landscape by getting a little bit more into the explainer journalism side of civics 101. Um, a lot of people, they're out there consuming news about politics, but they don't even know what it is is that they're hearing about. They don't know the the foundational elements of right. um, what is my city government? What's a strong mayor versus a weak mayor? They, they don't know these basic elements. So we focus more on uh, education and understanding around the local civics and politics topics so that people can be better informed and participate in the conversations, uh, maybe in a more productive manner. And we are seeing that uh, because we... St- stay in this more politically neutral space it allows us to have folks from both sides of the of the political spectrum within our product and it actually is almost like a neutralizing educational opportunity to help elevate everybody to be a little bit smarter and approach content more effectively we don't necessarily have to dive in deep Um, other folks are going to do that Um, but where we can we're trying to add value and really educate the community so they can better spend their time talent and treasure joining boards, participating in politics, or or understanding or commenting more in an educated manner on the Facebook post that they read versus um, non-value. Yeah. 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 Um, Now, news deserts, that that idea of places where they have no local media, uh, it's kind of a problem in the UK, but obviously we're much smaller. So a national newspaper can in some ways cover that. We also have the BBC, which obviously has lots of, Uh, local resources it's a very different picture in America and I wonder by doing the kind of work you're doing um but in you know as you say keeping out of some of those key areas are you actually helping with the news deserts issue or kind of making it worse if you know what I mean and you know I noticed that some you're in big places Boston is a big place that has a thriving media ecosystem and you know of its in its own right, Portland again, big places. There's lots of others. If you look at when I've looked through the list of places, how are you picking these places? Are they places where there's not proper media, or places where you think, frankly, there's just commercial value? A lot of it is commercial value. So when we when you put on a lens uh, for our business, it's uh, profitability and sustainability are key. The only way that we can get to and support the media deserts. Um, is to actually create a sustainable business model first. This Our company will become profitable here at the middle of 2023. At that point in time, we will be throwing off profits that allow us to expand into more markets. Um, many of those, we've identified about 150 potential expansion markets that are more in that tier two, tier three uh, size in America. It won't put us into every news desert um, by any means, but it's also almost irresponsible to try to fill every void. And so we're trying to more strategically approach where we know that we can be successful first. 
um, and then create a sustainable model that allows us to expand into more markets. So we're not necessarily going into New York, LA, San Francisco, Atlanta. Uh, we're taking more of a tier two city approach where we know that we can get in where there's we focus on strong pride in place. So uh, do the demographic does the demographic overlay match uh, our known audience? Uh, we look at inflows and outflows of people, charitable giving per capita, uh, retail spend in a market. Is there enough sustainable elements of a community that lets us come in, stand up a, a market relatively quickly, and be profitable within 18 to 24 months? Um, and that means that we have something that's going well. Um, and as we get more of those moving, it adds to the profitability, which allows us to take risk, uh, candidly, on some of the smaller markets where it, it may be a harder or longer path to profitability. So um, I think looking at uh, some of the modern media companies, you have to look at the long game. Um, there is a desire and a need to be profitable on the front end, um, but also be smart, charitable, and um, recognize the opportunity long term. We could potentially license out our platform to a smaller market and just own some ad inventory to cover the cost. And we can maybe give our tech and training and everything to a smaller tier three, tier four market um, and let them actually be more, be successful uh, without having to deploy the full cost structure on that market. So there's some interesting things long-term, I think that you'll see uh, evolve um, from some of the more modern media companies that are starting today. Yeah. Uh, what are your other ambitions for the future? That's a great question. Uh, <laughs> but listen to and... Ryan's face there, but it was a kind of, oh my God, I'm so tired. There's so many things face. There's a lot. Um, so it is in building a sustainable model, um, being fully reliant on average. So one, we don't rely on any nonprofit uh, funding dollars. There's a lot of other great, re like we just talked about some other people that deserve those dollars that are going to have massive impact on community. Um, we are mostly well, out of yeah, ad supported. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, uh, yeah. About eighty-five percent of our revenue is direct ad sales. Um, we have limited affiliate revenue, memberships, um, e-commerce, like some other buckets that we're diversifying into. So I would say we're we're tapping into some new uh, lines of revenue with the intent to always keep our product free uh, to not have to go to a subscription model for anybody. We want to be able to be as open and, and available to as many folks in the community as possible. Um, but we also are looking forward and knowing that AI, VR, AR, uh, chat. I mean, there's so many crazy things that are that are on the horizon. Uh, we're not touching those right now. Um, <laughs> we are staying in our lane. We know that we're very good in the newsletter space. Um, we are expanding our reach across social and web. Um, and I think, you know, for us, it's more about expanding to more markets, building our audience, increasing engagement with our readership, um, to make sure that we have a strong balance of content, commerce, and community, uh, within our product. Um, and then we can always look forward. So behind the scenes, uh, with the tech stack, we build in and tag everything appropriately so that we are positioned to evolve with any technology in the future. But a lot of businesses in media, you'll see chase um, a lot of different content yeah. distribution verticals 
uh, and fail um, significantly. They're out building a app that costs them millions of dollars and they deploy all their cash there and then they forget about their core business um, or whatever that looks like. So we're trying to keep in our lane, let some things get proven. Uh, it's great to learn from others on what is and isn't working. We don't have to be first to everything. We have to be good at what we do to choose to get into. Yeah, um, and what you're clearly passionate about and think is the focus of your business is this newsletter format. Now, obviously, I run my newsletter. I think newsletters are great. Um, there's something really special, isn't there, about the kind of conversational tone you can have, the direct relationship you can have with readers. I, I can't. You mentioned not chasing the clickbaity stuff. There's something quite nice as well about, obviously, you want engaging headlines in your newsletters but that you don't have to do that kind of clickbaity this happened down your street and you don't you'll never guess what happened next kind of vibe there's something nice about the newsletter format that takes that element away isn't there yeah in a huge way i mean we kind of look at our newsletter as a conversation with the community and we also look at the community as content creators so if i have a hundred thousand subscribers in a city our product is really created by those hundred thousand subscribers and our two editors um, and the participation feedback leads. I mean, a lot of times our product, even though we're not out there trying to necessarily break the news on every like news story, we have a hundred thousand people who we've built a relationship with that send us all this stuff before they even share it with other media companies. Like they're just, they want to be part of it. They want their voice heard. Um, we create a space, a safe space where they don't feel like what they're sharing is going to be manipulated in some way. And, and it opens up the door for us to actually have more honest conversation with the community. And let me tell you, they provide feedback in an in insane They let volume. you know when they're not happy. We, yeah. Or if we made a mistake, you know, if you write um, 1 million instead of 1 billion or something like mm. that, which, you know, those, those, those are always fun. Um, but the, uh, I mean, we can, we go out and we can pull our audience and have, tens of thousands of responses in four hours in one morning about like, Hey, what do you guys think about the new uh, bike path? That's going to be built uh, in the community. And here's like three questions. The city is paying people to ask that, like to take the survey. And we're over here getting 4,000 responses in four hours. So there's a, and a really interesting, powerful uh, relationship with the community that lets us help impact how the community develops so you'll go to city council meetings now and people quote the, our product hey did you see that 80 percent of the people uh think that those buildings are really ugly downtown and we should change the design <laughs> review board standards like that's that is material uh things that we're seeing uh come out of the product that are impacting how our our cities grow and, and i think that is I mean, again, I'm biased. I love newsletters. I subscribe to them. I make one. Like, I think newsletters are great. But that that is what, you know, you couldn't get that if you were just publishing stuff on a website, could you? Not in, no. <laughs> I mean, not, especially not in that instant. Um, mm -hmm. One, the only thing that gets you really closer to that is if you have an engaged, like, SMS text-based audience where you can capture um, a kind of an equivalent or better level of feedback. But that's a little bit more intrusive on a on your audience than a newsletter is. So we found that yeah, the newsletter feels are like good it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does feel like it. Uh, no, I think it's really interesting that how the newsletter has become so core to that. I mean, yes, 
you know, I would love there to be thriving local newspapers with fantastic investigative journalists. Um, but, you know, you've never claimed to do that. And so actually in the space you're in, the kind of conversational tone and the conversational format where you can hit a reply button and let the editors know what you think about X, Y, or Z really does make sense. Did, did you always plan it to be newsletter-based? Because you started off in the days before the Substack phenomenon and the day where everyone knew they had to have loads of news, newsletters. How, how did that decision come about? Because in some ways it would be more obvious to just do different local news sites, blogs, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, when we started, um, I think we were actually even ahead of like Morning Brew and H The Hustle. The only thing that was really out there was The Skim and The Charlotte Agenda, which was pretty close to us geographically in the U.S. For clarity, it's not, that's not my agenda. That's a local news, <laughs> that's a newsletter in Charlotte in, in the U.S. That's that not correct. my agenda. It's, it's now called Axios The Charlotte Hornets Charlotte. are not my basketball team either, just to be clear. <laughs> I mean, hey, that would be amazing. Um, but uh, we were reading those products back in the beginning of 2016 and saw that the skim really had had done a great job um, finding new ways to connect and the ability for us to spin something like that up. It was like, what's different in local? What can we do different in local? What can we do different in local that's digital? What can we do that's different and scalable? What can we do that's different and have a larger total addressable market size? And that really dialed us into newsletters and uh, staying out of our avoiding any bias and anything political uh, and avoiding crime and punishment. And it made us a safe place for readers. We saw immediate uptick in audience acquisition and it was a safe place for advertisers. Um, and that combination from day one, we really have not changed the business model since we started this in 2016. Um, we're at a few new verticals. We had a weekend newsletter. We've got some ultimate city guides to help people experience their markets, but like nothing uh, wild and crazy, just now a very highly scalable platform. Uh, we've built all the tools behind it to let it do such. Um, and and a path forward that, that stays pretty consistent. Yeah, it's fascinating. And now if you look on Substack, actually there are examples of places, but, you know, people on Substack covering their local area and their community, maybe in a more traditional way, trying to do the politics stuff, perhaps mm -hmm. the crime and punishment stuff that you refer to. So it, I guess it doesn't have to be one thing or the other. You know, people are using newsletters to kind of make that space for other things and taking on, you know, the platform of Substack or whatever else to really get into local media. Maybe maybe we can hope that actually some of that becomes profitable and there can be better coverage of local media because it is important, is it, whichever angle you're taking it from. Yeah, I think one of the things we try to do is wherever we can, we're a very open book and share a lot of our lessons learned with folks who are trying to pursue opportunity. Um, I think there are a lot of individuals who have a lot of passion that want to create something and the more that we can share with them how to be successful from on the front end or from a business ops side of things uh the more likely they are to be successful um and in the future um us running parallel to a lot of these folks or having them as resources or things that we share and link out to as as opportunities in the market um i think are are great um partnerships um and i think there's some ability for us to to really 
fold some of those folks in. At the same time, everyone hopping into newsletters is great for us. It's brought a lot of awareness to newsletters. It's increased our revenue potential with bigger advertisers. Um, and the it's really created a lot of uh a lot of folks have created products that are not sustainable and then they need an off-ramp. Um, and that's been an opportunity for us to pick up talent where people have kind of gone out and learned and they've grinded and learned how hard it is to to do the editorial and the business side at the same time. And so we've actually picked up some great talent from folks who have started things on their own, um, but just needed a little bit more of a backbone uh, on the operational side so that they can be successful and do what they want. Uh, would you just occurs to me, would you ever go international? Would you ever do stuff outside of the U.S.? Oh, certainly. hundred uh, percent. We have actually, we get probably like one or two inquiries a week to expand to new locations. We actually have a, a form on our site to say, Hey, would you be interested in coming here? Um, we are in a position now where we have some communities that are actually asking to fund the launch of our product in the market. Um, specifically thinking more on the economic development side. So because of how we operate, we really support recruitment and retention of talent in communities and a lot of and just economic impact. So we have a lot of communities that are actually actively recruiting us to launch in and outside of the United States. Well, interesting. Well, I look forward to 6am City London edition. Um, Ryan, where can people keep up with 6am City in general? Uh, you personally, where can people check all that stuff out? Uh, 6amcity.com is probably the good jump off point to get to any of our 25 and growing markets. Um, myself, LinkedIn, Ryan Heafy, H-E-A-F-Y. Uh, I'm always uh, pretty good at trying to pay attention and get back to folks. We are an open book, happy to share resources and help advance uh, everyone who is trying to play in newsletters and local media. There's a large playing field, lots of news deserts, a ton of opportunity um, and the more folks that are armed with the right tools to succeed, the better. That's very cool. Well, I am at Charlotte A. Henry on Twitter. If you're listening to this via the edition.substack.com, well, you know where the newsletter is as well. You can also listen to the podcast uh, wherever you normally get your shows. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And I'll see you next week. Thank you.